All right, for the uh, the, the second ever uh, Creative Center Club post, uh, podcast, we have uh, me, Classic, and Shlomo. And uh, for this topic, we'll be covering the obscene. Um, I was the one who uh, came up with this topic. And I think for me, it's kind of personal because of my own interests in art. Um, there's a lot of kind of interest in what counts as obscene what isn't and particularly in the legacy of the nude you see it, it gets transformed uh, from this kind of classic art piece and then later um, there's this debate about whether is it obscene what makes a nude obscene or not and there even becomes a kind of a state element where it gets regulated like in France we have these um, differences between these obscenities and I believe it's a uh, Academies, which are pictures of, of uh, nude models posing, and there's a difference between the ones that get um, approved by the government to be considered as um, references for artists uh, for classical um, poses and paintings, uh, and ones that are just considered pornography, and people get arrested for for producing and distributing them. And there's a fine line between what makes the two. Yeah, I mean, I think historically, well, when you take a, look, a, a big, a long look at it, the obscene is not something that's static. It has always been, you know, shifting around, moving, transforming, depending on the cultural norms, depending on the historicity of, uh, of what is considered appropriate in society. Uh, for instance, well, as you say, that's a great that's a great example. Um, and I remember, you know, well, we can. I think all of us in our collective cultural memory, we all understand that not not too long ago, we were most countries in the world were very conservative, and so dress codes, manners, and uh, social, you know, status and hierarchy, that forms into what is considered appropriate. And I think of the obscene is probably one step away from in from inappropriate nature. So it's not just inappropriate to, let's say, go to a formal dinner event wearing um, nothing at all. You know, if you wore a t-shirt to a formal dinner, that would be inappropriate. But if you wore something, um, you know, if you wore nothing, that would be obscene. Uh, but, you know, um, I think that different that the definition of scene in general just shifts around as as time goes by. So I'd be very interested to hear today, you know, how how we uh, how we explore that topic. Yeah, not only like the concept itself is shifting. I think even the meaning or uh, we attribute to it or like the position and important it, it holds in our society is shifting too. Because as you said, uh, a few hundred years back, something obscene was mostly something immoral, something forbidden, something almost criminal. And today, when we talk about obscene, we like always factor in, in the importance it has in arts or how it factors into like topics of sexual liberation or uh, these kind of things. So I think uh, that's interesting to note too. 
Yeah, I think certainly like, you know, like we said, society used to be more conservative and, and there was even like a, almost a criminal element to, to the obscene where you could and probably would uh, be either punished by the state or, or the community um, for the obscene. But now as it's opened up and, and I think not only has societies become uh, more liberalized, but there's just been this greater value on the idea of, um, you know, differences in moralities and, and particularly what can be done with the idea of things that are bad. There's, you know, all kinds of, of scholarship into an interest in, um, you know, these things that shock people. Uh, and I, I think the obscenity has this power and, and even this kind of positive power where um, not, not quite the same kind of obscenities we, we are trying to talk about here, but, you know, just swear words, these kinds of, of you know, George Carlin's seven dirty words. These are, these are words that are, are horrible, really offensive. And he, he talked about it himself, that these are kind of the shocking things that you're not allowed to say but they have these power because they're, they're somewhat forbidden. And I think there's this, you know, this withholding uh, of these, this power, it's because they are shunned that they gain this power um, and that they, they mean something. So I think you could say that with the, this kind of um, liberation and sexual revolution, the obscene, I, I don't wanna say it's lost its power, but we see it's, it's changed from something that was criminal to something that's kind of seen as, as something you may not bring out in public. Yeah, I think, I think you, know, that yeah. really, um, you know, I think the point I was trying to make was if you look at, you know, uh, tribal societies, early societies, and these kinds of social norms of, uh, especially, you, you know, they weren't as, as developed as they are today, you know, where there are much more spaces where things, where, there, where the social norms uh, interact, uh, you know, formal events, government buildings and so on, libraries, you can't go streaking in there, you know. Um, and it's all, and it's, it's, it's really fascinating how over time, all these weird idiosyncrasies and rules have, have, have erupted uh, as, you know, the passage of civilization has gone by. Well, we've created so many different systems and each system has a certain code of conduct, a way to um, interact with that appropriately and so on. But, you know, that's an interesting point about um, you know, the fascination of the obscene, the fascination with things that are inappropriate. I think because partly we acknowledge that that's human, that's, a, that's part of culture in of itself. It's a part of culture we ought not, we don't usually interact with, we shouldn't interact with, it's dangerous and so on, frowned upon. And yet it's part of us. And that part of us is, is you know, makes us curious about it. Yeah, uh, I'd like to add something to uh, Amanov's or G uh, Gavin's point, which is you mentioned that the obscene kind of lost its power. And I think this comes also from the fact that historically, 
the obscene was always so powerful because it was in itself uh, a breach of like conduct or a breach of uh, the moral systems. For example, using swear words, or if we go back to like the Middle Ages, being inappropriately dressed, especially in when we are in church or something. And because that's not so much the case today, there are not so many like taboos or uh, big moral systems that are so strongly imposed that uh, a breach becomes harder or uh, just less shocking and less powerful in a way. I, I think I would disagree with you there. Um, the classic brought up that like, you know, we have many more elements to society now or, or kind of locations or places where there are uh, differing sets of, of, of codes of conduct. And I, I think with that, we can kind of say that there's just as many ways to be obscene, if not more. Um, but I think what we kind of recognize now is before there was this, you know, things were, were strictly delineated between this kind of moral, what you could do and what you couldn't. And there wasn't this idea of kind of, you know, critique of this, this kind of, or, or the critique of it wasn't as performative as we might have it now. Nowadays, you can, we see a lot of this, you know, especially with the, the lineage of performance art, um, you can critique something by, with actions just as much as you can with words. And by doing that, um, there's there's something said. Uh, and I think what we, we kind of recognize in the obscene or if someone were to you know do something obscene in public is that it can be, be a critique or, or a statement. Um, and other people, we, we have this kind of idea now that, that um, people are allowed to critique what they want. Uh, and so it is kind of not really losing its power, but I, I think you, you were right that the kind of power structures that enforce it become a little less defined and that loosens the hold on it. But I think you could say that this also in the, the terms of the, the view of the individual, that the individual has the right to make an opinion and express it. Um, the expression of the obscene turns into this kind of personal expression where one person is allowed to make these critiques of the, the, the social codes. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's astounding how, you know, the gradual, I, I don't know if you can call it progression, but, you know, just after so many millennia of societies forming and that kind of cultural memory being built up I, I i would i would think that in the very early days the obscene would simply be things you wouldn't want done to yourself you know murder um acts of, of your extreme violence uh, sadism um that would be obscene you know and that's a very very basic uh impetus for something to be obscene and as society moved on the obscene became more and more complex in reflection of, of how society progressed. And then what's interesting is, you know, we have this uh, great democratization of social power, you know, with uh, 
well, I wouldn't say the Renaissance, but, you know, in the modern age and more and more people have a say in, in politics and their own life and their own direction in of, of how they want to work, who they want to marry and so on. And we see this also being reflected in the obscene. And so I find it very, very interesting how the obscene has followed us through throughout human history and it mirrors whatever uh, complexity we have. And so in this age of, of new values and uh, shifting, you know, shifting cult cultures, it's, it's so, I think it's amazing. It's really amazing how when you see more liberalization of the individual's rights and so on to express themselves, to represent themselves, to live, you also see that being reflected in the interpretation of the obscene. But I, I, think, I think this is a good point, but this is only human created obscene. And so I think one topic we can go into later is uh, natural obscenities, things in nature which scare us, you know? I, I think you fall for a bit of a, a fallacy here. I think overall your, your point is solid, but I, I don't really think we should take this idea of this, you know, progression of society from kind of a, a primitive less complicated. I, I think there's certainly, you could say that things get more either complex or, or the, the, the elements of the obscene um, are, are switched out or, or reintroduced or, or, or um, become this, this way more complicated um, territory when cultures mix or, or um, not progress, but change. Uh, but I don't think I want to straight out say that, like, you know, you know, there's this golden age or, or, or there's this age where, where the only obscenity was, you know, killing uh, your, your, your fellow man or, uh, or um, you know, extreme acts of, of, of violence or, or whatnot. I think this is kind of a very reductive view of, of early societies. Most, most likely, most likely. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, that's true that it's a bit reductive, especially if we like consider that the obscene always seems to be very attractive to humans. So it's not just that we see it as something forbidden or a breach of taboo, but that we are also drawn to to it, that uh, it fascinates us, and that it can be a liberating experience. So I think your definition as something that we would ourselves not like to experience does fall, uh, fall a bit short. And I think also, I think there's a difference between something that is just purely morally wrong or condemnable and something that is obscene. Because if we look like at Abrahamistic uh, religions, like the Ten Commandments, each, if one breaches or one breaks these rules, uh, it's punishable and it's a sin, basically. But it's not necessarily obscene, I think. I think there's something different to it. No, that's, that's, that's both of you are right. I mean, it is reductive. But, well, yeah, that simply is simply reductive. But yeah, I, I, but then on the point of 
you know, uh, things that are uh, morally objectionable and the obscene. I, I'm, I'm wondering, because, you know, I, I think we have to do more research on this, but I'm wondering if there was, if this is a more modern invention in terms of how we, of what the obscene represents, or if it's something more primal, how, you know, is it is it too connected to the word as we know it, or has the conception of the word through history, you know, I think we, you would have to be a, write a dissertation on this, but I think that that would be an interesting angle to go with. I, I think that's certainly an interesting point, and I, I, I feel like that's something I've been thinking about a lot lately, is, are these concepts that we take as, as kind of these eternal or, or, or omnipresent um, all throughout all societies, are these kinds of things really just things we're enforcing on the past? Um, and are these things even maybe we're just seeing them, seeing reflections of or, or what we want to see um, in these? Um, I, I think myself that there is some kind of basic human element um, to, to lots of, of ideas uh, that you can find all around the world. And, you know, like Joseph Campbell would say, the myth is the same all throughout um, all, all societies. And I think that's something we can take to say that there is some kind of basic core ideas that, that um, permeate all all people or all societies. Um, but the question is, what what are these basic ideas? Are they, is the obscene one of them? I, I think there is certainly this idea of, you know, social taboos and, and there's violations of them. And then that's something that I think we can think of as universal. But is the question is, is the idea of the obscene one of these violations of social taboo that is universal? Um, yeah, I think what, what would be interesting is if, well, you know, I think when you start, when we start talking about man-made obscenities, things that are obscene as per a certain culture, that's where we differ. But if we want to go back to a more shared experience, that would be, I think, in, in natural obscenities and, well, to me, I, I will, I, not, not just to me, to a lot of people, when they see something like gore, when they see something very visceral, um, there is a visceral reaction in, in return. And to the point where it, you know, stirs a great amount of disgust, there is a, a so-called natural reaction to that. And in that we see, I think, I think I can make the point, uh, the birth of the obscene and so you know there, there's this book by uh, uh, what's his name um, uh, what's his name the the obscene bird of night by Jose Donoso and he's probably he's a Latin American writer and it's magic realism and essentially in the in this novel that he writes he brings up the, the myth of the Imbuche, which is um, uh, it's like a familiar of a warlock. And the, the appearance of the Imbuche is very, very obscene. It's, um, it's, its limbs are 
uh, soon to its back. Its mouth is shut and it's a pro product of witchcraft. And it usually guards, guards the entrance to the warlock's cavern or so, so on. And so this ancient myth, you know, stirs up this idea of this obscene through mutilation, mutilation of the, of the natural, of the expected, and reducing a human being to monstrosity, you know. And so I think that's a very primal sort of fear, self-preservation, you know. Um, this is... Uh, this is really interesting, I think, especially this myth, because with the Western background, uh, which with uh, I have looked at the obscene, I come to like the opposite conclusion. Uh, if, if if one examines like throughout Western history, with what has what has been like a given into the obscene in Western culture is all, always that the obscene is an expression of utmost vitality. It's just pure, pure nature. It's not like a mutilated nature as in this myth that you just mentioned, but rather that it's the unrestricted nature, especially the sexual one uh, that is seen as uh, obscene. I think you touch upon something really interesting here that there's this idea of the man sets himself apart from nature and whether that's true or not could be a whole other topic for for another uh episode but i think uh that's something that man has often viewed himself separate from or there's some kind of thing that sets him above uh the rest of it and it's this kind of breach of this divide or, or this filter between man and nature that creates the obscene and I think we can connect that even back to uh, Classic's point that uh, of this myth that there is some kind of, of divide. You know, it's it's the, the very recognition of the nature of, of man as, as an object or a uh, something vulnerable to, to, you know, being maimed, being being attacked or, or, or cut apart, mutilated, and, and this kind of recognition that the body is just a body it's 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 vulnerable it's it's it can be cut and, and and harmed like this and that that all humans have a body like this there is no immortal or uh unharmable uncuttable so i, I think we can kind of reconcile these two views of this this Western and then the South American uh, ideas. Yeah, I think that it's really interesting how there's at least two types of obscene and how it's derived, where it's derived from, you know, either from purity or from desecration. That's interesting. But I'm interested in what's even further below, what's even more fundamental about these two, two derivations of this feeling, of this phenomena. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, I love this stuff because it's so human. And 
that's I think that's why I'd be interested to figure out because at the bottom at the bottom of this of this abyss of this experience you know which is very which is ancient I want I would like to know whether some of it it's, it's primal in the sense of lizard brain is it something wide into ourselves uh, and so on I don't I would say that it's not like basic lizard brain in the sense that it's uh, like an human instinct per se but I think it like maybe begins to be emerge at the point where human culture and human civilization begin to like diverge from more than just the natural pattern. I think that's maybe an identifiable point at where this idea of the scene could take place. Yeah, I think considering like the, the idea of the human is that of the, the social animal. Um, and of course, it's, there are studies into, you know, there's definitely other societies or, or you know, communities of other kinds of, of animals. Um, and as, as far as we know, there might even be other kinds of, you know, codes of conduct or social roles that they must play, uh, or even, you know, social taboos. Uh, but I don't know if we could quite say that they also have the obscene. And I, I think there's certainly a, maybe a, a cultural aspect of it um, that, that arises from kind of this extreme, you know, community or, or, uh, or sense of the, the human self or, or the human in general. It really feels like we are probing into the deep recesses of, of you know, our own psyches and who we are and having to ask yourself this question about what do you consider obscene or rather what scares you, what horrifies you? That, that's an interesting question to ask oneself. I'm having a lot of fun with this topic. Yeah, I think for me, I personally uh, uh, still give the answer that what really at the core of it makes something obscene for me is like an extreme display of just vitality, just no thought behind it, no consciousness, just pure drive, just pure natural drive. I think that it constitutes for me like the experience of the obscene. In, in like a in psychoanalytic terms, you could say, you know, pure expression of the, the id. Uh, and I think this is an interesting, it's the, the animal nature that man likes to think himself either separate or above. But I, I do wonder if, um, but I, I, I think there's certainly this, this sexual or the vitality element to the idea of the obscene, that it's, an, it's a show of, of, of energy, of, of force, of, of power. Um, and I, I, I think it definitely be interesting. I think we should try and explore maybe this question of what kind of, of vitality or, or how does the, the idea of this, you know, animal nature, this, uh, I think particularly the, the idea of sexuality as well, 
how does this factor into the obscene? I think it's interesting that it's, well, to me, I don't feel that the obscene is, is evil in, in, in nature. To me, something can be obscene without being malicious. It can be obscene without being, uh, you know, uh, harmful insofar as it does not harm the body itself. But when I think of obscene things, I think of things that assail me mentally. And the, the images that come up are usually ones that have twisted nature. But at the same time, I know that what can be considered obscene can also be social. Um, perhaps taking what is considered sacred and then uh, defacing it, doing something which is unexpected and then without self-consciousness or without unwillingness to be self-conscious, carrying out a certain action in, a, in, a, in simply the wrong context. Yeah, but this desecration of the holy uh, could be, you know, also seen as another form of expressing this fundamental divide or perceived divide between human and nature because what is sacred mostly is something that is distinct from nature or that is transcendent and then tearing it down making it unholy desecrating it it's just like radically destroying this idea that there is something independent something free from the forces of nature and that would then make it obscene so you're kind of proposing this idea of a destructive tendency to the obscene that it, that it breaks walls or, or um and I, I think this factors into to classics point as well of this idea that you know it, it mentally assails you and it's it's i think one could say an act of violence, but not necessarily a physical violence, but maybe mental violence. It's 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 psychological. It it, it shocks our sensibilities. It it offends us, um, and it, it's through a destruction of, of social norms or, or expectations for for how one should behave, or even for for what things should be, how they might should look. Yeah, but that's. That's how, how we think the obscene looks, but um, we think of the obscene as the other. To me, it's the, it's the other. It's, it's something separate from the self, something that does not necessarily have to be contradictory, does not have to be something that is inherently uh, harmful something that's other something that is other to the extent which it disturbs us and i, I can't find the word the, me the mechanism by which it disturbs but i know that i feel when i see something very very strange something that disorientates me something that makes me feel uncomfortable there is this common element which may not rise to the level of obscenity but I think it starts in that, in that moment of uncomfortable uh, feeling. 
but you know when when you see acts of violence that can be obscene as well but when the act of violence is being is being acted upon yourself let's say if someone attacks me and i see my own body being um damaged to me i would I, i would think that's obscene because it's um it's my my body is suddenly something that that doesn't belong to me in the sense of this isn't what i want it to be this is not how i imagine myself being and so it it becomes the other you know phenomenology phenomenology i think there is i i think you're you're touching upon something here that there is this idea that the obscene is is acted upon outside of the individual and i i'm not sure, quite sure i'd say that you know seeing myself attacked would be obscene unless it's in the context of i'm literally seeing myself so in a, there is this vision of of say it was a dream and i see a person who i i take to be myself being attacked but there's a disconnect between the person who i see to be myself because i'm i'm literally seeing it myself this is like a third person view but the idea that there is maybe a, a lack of control in the situation but also this kind of disassociation where i i know it's me uh but there's there's this agency issue or the, this issue of of who really is me because i i'm seeing myself get attacked and, and violated but there's just by the, the the act of saying you know i see myself there is a divide between the the observer the one who says i see and myself the person being the, the one being observed uh, i think another point maybe or to add there would be something that we perceive as obscene is something we cannot like derive meaning from something that appears utterly meaningless to us so and if we again take this example of what uh, classic you just mentioned that you see yourself getting attacked and uh, mutilated and maybe part of your body being separated by force from you then you would phenomenologically like maybe get the idea that this severed body part just in the moment loses all meaning it has lost its connection to you it's not longer really a part of your body and you can't make something of it really so in the moment it just loses all prescribed meaning for you and in the sense that you perceive raw flesh it's literally just material and nothing else yeah then uh, that that would be the obscene I, i think it would but going back to you know gavin's point when when it becomes separated does that mean it becomes nature once again because if if human beings imagine themselves to be separated from nature at least modern human beings especially then this act of mutilation is in a way it's a return to nature is it not the one can make the argument it becomes very uh, ad nilian 
if you get my drift. Yeah, totally. And that's, that's yeah. a bit horrifying, to be honest. Yeah, two ways it becomes nature again, because at the one point you're like, your body is experiencing pain and like disrupt. And you are forcefully being like pushed back into the state of nature where you're not separated and where you're not safe and where you do not have full agency, which is like another really disturbing aspect, especially for modern humans, to not have agency. So you, so you would say the obscene then is like man's confrontation with his own nature, with, with or, nature itself. Or man's confrontation when he is forcefully thrown into a situation where he must confront nature, but nature of a very certain type. Uh, you know, uh, when, when I look at a, a tree, I don't feel the obscenity on the tree. But if the tree were to be split apart, if it were to be consumed by worms, I would see something obscene in there. It would see something disgusting. And well, to me, that's, that's very interesting because where do you draw that line and how is that line even drawn? And I think that's an inlay for how the obscene can be linked to even broader topics about fear, about self-preservation and those kinds of principles and reactions layered within the cultural experience, within the neurological body itself. Yeah, and to answer the question, for me, I personally am at the point where I would say yes, that the confrontation between man and nature and the breakdown of this perceived border or boundary between the two is something that's at the core of the obscenity. And to classic, I'd say I'd have to disagree, actually, when you said that looking at, the tr at a tree you wouldn't like perceive it as obscene. This is again, just a personal experience, but uh, I think like there's nothing more obscene than a blossoming tree or, or a flower because it's nothing but pure drive. And uh, some Slavoj Žižek actually said something similar. There's a video bit of him where he was talking about like how there's nothing more sexual and it's nothing more obscene than like the blossoming of a flower and that he would like if he could forbid people from seeing it yeah it, the, the horror really the interesting that yeah yeah exactly that one yeah so it's also kind of interesting to see how the perception of the obscene differs personally well, I think that's the point, you know, because when, when Zizek talks about how tulips are obscene, he is relating a human experience to what is, to what is in all actuality just a flower. And the flower in of itself does not have any, any, any obscene characteristics in the same way that a mutilated tree does, is simply a mutilated tree. It's simply a tree 
but to me i am posing my sense of the self my own con you know my own being onto this and giving it contextuality giving it a relation and that relation happens to be obscene so you, correct me if i'm wrong but you're basically saying you know this the obscene is kind of an embodying you're you're placing yourself you're you're imagining yourself subject to the, the same destruction or the same nature as as what you're witnessing there's you know there's the observer of the tree which is you but you're also kind of supplanting or, or replacing this idea of the tree with what could be your body or you yourself in the very subtle way i think so and what's interesting is because when i mentioned the other previously we see the human being as being separate from the rest of the world separate from things that are not of the self and yet for something to become the other we must recognize that it is not the self and yet we you, you, you depend on the self to make that connection it's it's very um it's very human honestly it's very human <laughs> this is something only human beings could worry about yeah, surely but when you see uh, say the other is like an expression of the obscene or that there is in the perception of the other this feeling of obscenity wouldn't you also say that it in part becomes from the fact that when we perceive the other we like impose meaning on him like we put the other in relation to ourselves to how we perceive the world to other things and that in this attempt of our contextualization the other defies the other is not totally explainable not totally uh, contextualizable for us and then that that is what makes us perceive it as obscene maybe even even but it because of it's this imbalance it's because this imbalance exists that you know the the, the very condition of not being able to fully comprehend something is in of itself a relation something you know a connection and fundamentally i think the obscene is it's it's human it's human it's a reflection of ourselves and it's not the other it's not purely the other it's actually just the self and it's the self yeah, yeah. scaring itself <laughs> you know yeah yeah what i'm maybe maybe rephrasing it that what we perceive as obscene is that the self recognizes that it's imposed structures and meanings and context contexts onto the world are essentially artificial that uh, we impose them and that the objects themselves always kind of defy them so would you maybe go with that i get your point no that's good it's a good point in a way, we could even say this supersedes the idea of, of the of divide between uh, man and nature to, to 
divide between man and the world or reality itself, where man is, is confronting this idea that what he's seeing is not pure, unadulterated experience. This is not direct experience of, of what he is, but instead he is mediating it through concepts. And there's this kind of, of straight up uh, acknowledgement of these concepts that man is, has to confront in these by viewing what is not subject to or, or what what does not abide by these conceptual categories and 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 this kind of thought i i'd be interested on this point to combine the obscene because i think we i think we've quite well established what the obscene is and we've kind of whittled it down to, a, to quite a fundamental uh, idea or premise, but perhaps combine the obscene with another emotion like happiness, the obscene and, the, and happiness, the obscene and sadness, obscene and, and fear and horror. And uh, just thinking about those things, it becomes very, very interesting in what images come up. When I think of the obscene and happiness, I am reminded of, uh, you know, Marcel Duchamp's fountain and uh, whereby, you know, they were trying to push the boundaries of what art could be defined as. And part of this was to make obscene gestures with art, to take something like a urinal and to call it a work of art. To me, when I think about that, I think it's obscene, but there's also this elation which I feel because I feel the liberation in this new definition of art, in this new pushing of the boundary forward. Uh, whether or not it's a, it's a good sculpture beyond um, its con concept is a, is a completely different thing, I think. But in terms of excitement, in terms of elation, this obscenity is exciting. And I think that's quite interesting to explore. Yeah, I totally go with you there. And that's also so fascinating of, about the obscene, that it's not purely negative, that it's not purely positive, but it, that it can go in either way. As you said, the obscene can be liberating, but it can also be deeply horrifying of, that we can like experience it in a way when we lose agency. I, I love the, the, the fact that you brought up uh, Marcel Duchamp's fountain, and I think there is, you know, there, there, it was, I think, considered even obscene at its time. How could, how could someone who calls himself an artist pick up a, a urinal off the, the side of the street and put it in a gallery and, and call it art? And, and there is, I think we, we've talked about the obscene as kind of a, a, a confrontation with, with meaning and then you can see that in Marcel Duchamp's fountain with this it's it's simply what it is a urinal in a gallery with a date written on it there's there's not much to to think about and it it, it gains its meaning because it rejects the kind of the meanings imposed upon it by other as its place as a piece of art um, or 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 simply just uh, the fact that it's a urinal. 
I think when we extend this to something like, like, um, you know, I, I, I realize that, that, you know, when you look at film, there's this movement to show um, horror, you know, violence. And previously that was obscene, but as time goes by, people use violence to tell stories which they feel capture the essence of the real. And that's another thing too, the obscene is seen as real sometimes, the true nature of the world. Uh, it's authentic, the obscene is authentic. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I remember when I was younger, I there's a scene in Terminator 2 where, you know, Arnold as the Terminator takes off, he cuts his hand and he takes off his uh, his flesh to show the me the metal exoskeleton, uh, you know, skeleton underneath to prove that he's a robot from the future. And that's obscene, but that's that's the real, you see. And maybe perhaps this is not the best example, but I, I like, you know, it's interesting how in film, the use of the grotesque, the obscene, things people don't want to see, the upsetting, those images now take on a new or deeper purpose to describe aspects of the world, which we usually don't want to see. So there's like sort of an attraction to these these elements yeah, that the obscene I mean, in this way. Horror movies, they love action movies. They like seeing people get <laughs> chopped up. Yeah, and I think you, you already mentioned Duchamp and that is like also deeply connected to like surrealism. And that's another thing. I, I think we all at least have heard the name Georges Bataille and we all instinctively like relate him to really obscene things like the story of an eye. And there we can also find the idea that you already mentioned that through the obscene truth or some, yeah, something true, something real is revealed because in most of these short stories, the act of like extreme sexual perversion, which we would like say is obscene functions in a way to establish a connection between the characters and the real essence of life and death. Uh, and I think uh, there you can also see this idea. I think it's funny when something can be fashionably obscene in the sense of there is a difference between deliberate violence and wanton violence which is you know like a snuff film when uh, to to use this to, to say it like this to use violence in you know in a tasteful way to, to put a point across you know that people can accept that and that of course has shifted over time and this is this is going back to more of the man-made obscene but i find it very <laughs> amusing that some obscenities are more fashionable more tasteful more uh, you know uh advertisable than others 
even if they're ne not necessarily milder, they could be much worse. But if it's used in a certain context, if it's used in conjunction with uh, a stylistic or visual tool, motif, and so on, the execution looks nice. I mean, look at a Tarantino film. A Tarantino film, you'll see people dismembered uh, a dozen at a time, and you love that stuff. <laughs> but if we, if, if someone, if someone just sent you a video of someone doing that to some poor, you know even if they were criminals, it would be horrendous. Would you maybe say that this has to do with the fact that in these uh, instances, the obscene is kind of controlled or limited? Because uh, maybe in a Tarantino film, we have like the notion that the use of the obscene is meant to be convey something else and that it is in its form controlled by the actors and by the director and uh, contained within the movie. Whereas like when you'd be sent like just a video of somebody being tortured, that you feel like this is not limited and not controlled obscenity. I suppose we, we, talked, we, we, talked, we talked a bit about how the obscene is kind of this, this you know, man perceiving the disconnect between reality and himself. And I think here we, we get to another layer of subversion of that where we see the obscene, but actually we also understand that no, this isn't real. This is uh, constructed reality by a director and actors. And there's, there's a kind of humor in that, I think, where we find that what shocked us because we thought it wasn't, it was the real, uh, or it was a confrontation with the real wasn't and yet you know if, i think if you were to show someone who has never seen a tarantino film who has essentially not seen any movies and you were to show them a scene like that you know take it 200 years back and show it to someone they would be horrified because they may not be able to tell you know even if it's in it just be incomprehensible and so the obscene is has evolved and uh, that's, to me, that's always interesting. I think another thing we can say on this, though, um, whereas we might see a Tarantino film and the obscenity in it as, as something enjoyable is this idea that originally the obscene was something without meaning. And we've, we've twisted it, we've, we've corrupted the obscenity to something that has meaning. It's in a, it's a movie, it has a, a, a it has a, a, a narrative, something that's trying to be conveyed with this, this show of obscenity. So we, we in, a, in a very human way, and almost I think that the, the penultimate act of a human, of man, is we've taken something without meaning and given it meaning. And in this kind of perverse way, what we've done is we've taken the, the direct confrontation with something without meaning and given it meaning. Yeah, we've given it purpose. We've, we've conquered it. We've tamed it. We've, because when you, well, especially, especially with a Tarantino film, when you usually see extreme violence, it's usually done against people who deserve it. If you were to look at something 
other films, um, perhaps horror films, when you see someone innocent being killed by uh, the monster, the villain, and so on, it's it is it's still controlled, but it's not controlled in the sense of in, in the narrative sense where it it is an, a good conquering evil. The um, those who are wrong now right with their own uh, personal brand of justice, it becomes uh, just pure violation of, of, of another person's life. And yet that too is still within this realm of uh, controlled obscenity. And I find that quite interesting. And I think with that, we have like basically circled back to the beginning beginning where we discussed obscene and something immoral because as you mentioned it's a different thing when you see somebody who we would perceive as innocent happen to something that is immoral in the most basic way because it's not deserved there is no way of us to explain it uh, yeah in the sense of morality and that is maybe something you could also relate back to this uh, idea that the obscene is the confrontation with meaninglessness and uh, on the struggle between imposed meaning and pure material, pure nature in a way. That, immor uh, that something we perceive as immoral is essentially inexplainable in this sense so so far to summarize i feel like a lot of stuff we've talked about right now has been this idea of the obscene as, as you know man versus nature man confronting nature or even this idea of man seeing the reflection of himself in nature there's there's this clear or the, there's this perceived divide between man and nature as well as this you know these ideas of of uh of the self, he's he's seeing himself, but also there's this kind of mutilation of, of the self. There's there's this acknowledgement of uh, of man thinking of himself and then seeing that in other things or seeing the, the, the lack of it in other things. But I think um, one of the, the problems here is that we're we're trying to describe basic human experience or a universal human experience but i think one of the things we've run into is is kind of this this kind of eurocentric uh view of of these concepts we've been using a lot of concepts to describe it that i think are, are pretty western in origin such as the idea of the self as this kind of atomized individual or uh, uh, the ideas of, of man versus nature or man is separate from nature and i, I wonder how this could could uh, complicate our uh conception of the obscene yeah i i, I to to a, de to a degree i don't think i don't think we can avoid framing it within a certain scope or lens i think that, that i think that goes with the territory especially when we're talking about you know culture and the cultural variations of the obscene 
but to add on a bit about the East, and then I think I guess an attempt to balance things out. When I look at cultures in Southeast Asia, I see a lot of practices, beliefs, superstitions, reminiscent of the a concept like the evil eye. So if you if you do a certain gesture to a, I mean not 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 the evil eye per se, but if you do a certain gesture to someone. If you uh, don't do this, you don't do this very specific thing. The obscene is tied with this idea of disrespect, and to me, that's that's interesting because disrespect can—it's not doesn't have to be uh, temporal and temporally present. You know, you can be to uh, your ancestors. It can be to a certain culture, to a deity. And all of these are considered obscene. All of these are frowned upon. And it's not something, I, I suppose in the West, it's, it's, it, it is gesture as well, but in the East, it seems to be taking on more of a spiritual, more of a religious um, dimension. Not, you know, like let's say burning a religious item is, is um, is I think I guess it's obscene in any culture, but especially in the East, it's a bit more, it's a bit more abstract, a bit more tied to it. That's how I feel, you know, living in that in this region. And, but I think one thing I would like to focus on is the idea of respect and showing face to someone else. And when you don't show face to someone else, it's not just obscene; it's disrespectful, you know, and. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's another interpretation to try and balance out the the Eurocentric view or lens we've taken so far. I think going from there, yeah. we can talk about this idea of, of the human or the person uh, in Eastern contexts is, is like a, a node in uh, uh, or a, a nexus of connections and respect is important in that way because when you, you're not just representing yourself, you have you know, you're a member of a community, of a family, um, and and therefore, this respect is is related to the people around you, and that way, the obscene factors in with it's just not only is man maybe confronting himself in this way, but he's confronting everyone he is around or he relates to. I mean, I, I find it you know interesting, like uh, you know, for Chinese. Um, Weddings, you're not supposed to wear black. Um, for uh, funerals, you can't wear red. And this is, it's related, it's connected to clothing in the same way that I guess, you know, running around naked would be obscene, but it's, it's different. It's very specific. And it, it ties to superstition, it ties to belief. And this belief is and has been interconnected with, with, with values over the centuries, if not millennia. Um, so, you know, obscene, I think we've, we've, we've been quite fair in, our, in how far we've come up with this topic. And in this case, this uh, case study, the obscene just becomes more and more complex. And it's, you know, it's more, there's so much to it. Yeah. In the, beginning we talked a bit how in the west uh there was this move from a broader social 
codex and like way of behaving and moral system uh, to rather specialized uh, values uh, for certain uh, situations, for certain rooms in a way. And I wonder if we, when we are talking especially about the Eastern or the Asian perspective on this, uh, how that relates to the fact that in some ways, broader social value systems are still intact in the Eastern uh, part of uh, the world in a way that's not the case in the West anymore. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I think the obscene in the future will continue to just change. And as we see more things, I think, uh, especially when we see large corporations doing unsavory practices to their work, to their workers and so on, to me, that that is obscene as well. It's obscene. And uh, as, as technology rolls forward, we're going to see a lot more obscene things, new things. And to me, that's, well, it's, it's going, I, I, to a degree, it's, it's depressing, but at the same time, it's also intriguing because we're going to see the next step in this concept, in this phenomenon. And that's just part of being human. Yeah. Perhaps. Which... Go, go ahead, don't let me interrupt. Uh, what for me is obscene is not that the corporations mistreat the workers themselves, which is obviously bad and all, but what it makes it really obscene for me is then uh, the positive ads they put up mm, afterwards. Right. I think I think that hammers it in more. I think that just really seals the deal. Yeah, but, it's it's one thing to mistreat your workers, but to, you know. you know make it like you're doing them a favor as as though it's a yeah. you're doing the morally right thing to do while you're actually doing the bare minimum yeah like the the amazon mindfulness practices boxes yeah. <laughs> that yeah. i think i think that is another level of obscenity <laughs> but something we I have never seen yeah, but, how modern. But really what yeah, what makes the obscene so interesting is as you mentioned that it's ever shifting, that it's really always depending of like the social and cultural context. But it on the other hand also relates to like an existential part of uh, just the human condition. So that it's always this balance between something that is, if not inherent, so uh, then at least deeply ingrained. And on the other hand, that it always takes the form of the culture it develops in. Yeah, this was an interesting topic. Um, I'm glad we, we managed to get so far. I, I don't think we've there's likely more to this topic that we could explore, but I'm glad how 
how far we got, how deep we got, and how we came back up. And I guess the we just have to see what the future holds. And um, it'll be it'll be interesting. I, I think ultimately we we have to also ask uh, the listener what what do you think is obscene, um, and and how do you think. Uh, what is this play between the obscene and, and, and nature and, and, and then the self and, and even maybe the concepts we've used to explain it? And, and ultimately, is, is it universal or not? Is this something that, that everybody feels? And I, I think this is a question that we've tried to answer and I don't think we can exactly get to the bottom of it. Um, but I think it's, it's something that's worth asking. Yeah, I think in simply confronting the question is, is sufficient or interesting, at least, in of itself. And hopefully we did, we did a good job. Yeah, that maybe we can't clearly identify the core of it or what it really is, but maybe like we went ahead and maybe helped to maybe i i don't know how to really put it circled in a possibility of uh, a few possibilities at least 